You're listening to the Harbor Worship Center podcast with Pastor Mike Saint. For more information about the Harbor Worship Center, please visit us at harborwc.com. Enjoy today's message. Now, I believe God wants every one of us to get involved in serving somewhere. I believe Jesus Christ said, listen, I have come to serve. And I believe that's what God wants us to do. But let me invite you to our Margins series now. Or rather, welcome you. You're already here. I welcome you to our Margins series. A margin is a border. It's an edge. And so today, if I could just quickly give you a synopsis synopsis of what the four weeks are going to look like. Today, we're going to talk about living within financial margins. Next week, we're going to talk about borders. Uh, Margins of protection. You've got to build in margins of protection for your social life, for your internet life, for your financial life, etc. We'll talk about that. The third week, we're going to talk about no margin for error. So we're going to have a great time with that. And then the last week, we're going to talk about um, uh, time margins. Now, this is not just for those people that are chronically late, because we do have those people that are chronically late. And they need to build in a time margin. But that is not the only people. So don't lay out that Sunday just because, you know, uh, you're going to be late enough to miss all that. Don't do that. Because time margins also has to do with you wonderful people out there that are saying yes to so many good things. And you need to learn to say no to some good things in order to say yes to some great things. Well, hallelujah. 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 I thought the Spirit was moving, man. I was just going to be still. (laughs) All right, back to margins. Living within financial margins. So, let me talk to you a little bit about what you need to know. First of all, debt is a bondage that holds us down. If you don't know anything else, you need to know that debt is a bondage that holds us down. It's almost like if I was just duct taped to a chair right here, and just wrap round, around, around, around. Debt is a bondage that holds me down. There are those with us today that would love to get married, but they can't afford it. They would love to start a family or have a child, but they can't afford it. They would say, Pastor, I'd love to build a home, but I can't afford it. I'd love to go with you on that mission trip to Guatemala. I'd love to pay for somebody to go on that mission trip to Guatemala, but I just can't afford it. I would love to, to do this, or I would love to do that, but I just can't afford it. Uh, you know, There's so much I want to do, but I just can't do because I have no financial margin. I have not lived within the margins of finances as I should, and so I am a a slave to the debt that I've created. Now, i got good news for you. Most people in this room are in that capsule that I just now described. Um, The Bible says in Proverbs 22 and 7, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. I want you to know that in America, the average household spends 136% of their income. That means you spend all 100% that you made, and somehow you charge 36 more percent. Uh, Either you went and got a loan for it, or you just keep swiping good old MasterCard and Visa, Discover, whoever, and uh, pretty soon you're going to discover that you've got to pay it back. Amen? And for those who are carrying a, a balance, the average credit card balance... Uh, per credit card in our country is $14,517. Hey, the club fees and the lattes and, and the I gotta have this and the car gas is adding up. 
It don't take long to get in the red with a credit card. Now, uh, for those uh, 21 years of, of age, average is about $12,000 in credit card debt. And by the time they're 28, they owe $78,000. Now, how long do you think it's going to take to pay that back? It's going to take a long, long time. It's going to take a lot longer than it did to swipe it through that little reader. Are you here with me? Say amen. Um, the average number of homes in America that live paycheck to paycheck is above 60%. Many of us might be, be in that group. The issue isn't how much money that you make, because some of you are here with a misguided notion, saying, well, Pastor, you know, if I made you know, twelve or $1,300 a week or $1,500 or $2,000 or, you know, if me and my spouse had us a big income, we could really make it. The truth of the matter is, if you're not making it and if you're not disciplined with what you have right now, you wouldn't be if you was making a lot more. It is proven again and again, people can win the lottery and in five years be busted. I'm talking about win millions and millions of dollars. And you and I will say things like, well, praise God, if I had won that, First thing I'd have done was paid church off. Well, I'm hoping one of y'all will do that one day. If, if you do, I mean, uh, praise God. But uh, then I hope you'll be smart, you know, with the rest of it, lest you find yourself, you know, back down there broke again with $5 in your billfold and taking four of that to buy lottery tickets. Are you with me? Say amen. So I want to tell you something. One day the debt has its way of catching up with us. If we're seated on the stage in a chair and I got duct tape all around me and it's all the way up in my head and I'm just like this and water represents debt and water's at my toes and then water's at my ankles and then water is halfway up my shin, guess what? I better start trying to do something because the bondage of debt is tying me up and the debt's getting higher and higher and higher and here I sit. Guess what? I need to be biting and gnawing and getting up and moving over to something sharp and trying to cut myself free from that that's holding me down so I don't eventually drown in the debt that I'm creating. So, here's why you need to know because debt is a bondage and bondage is killing God's people. The church sits second sometimes to, to so many things in third and fourth and tenth because we would love to do, thing, do things and there's people out there with a good heart and they would do more if they were free from debt. The problem is they're in a debt spiral and they haven't done anything to get out of it in the last ten years. In fact, just dig deeper and deeper and deeper. Now listen, as I'm talking to you, I want you to understand I'm talking to me too. I'm in the middle of right now a debt snowball not quite in the middle, but about six months worth of it. So I'm working on this thing too. In the next two and a half years, I plan to be out of debt completely unless, except for the house I owe. And if God just really gets generous and one of you come up and say, let me just pay your house off, I'm probably going to let you do that too. <laughs> you know, I mean, I can't speak with certainty, but I'll pray about it. I, I <laughs> but anyway... So you need to know that we're strapped down and that bond, we're drowning in debt and the water's rising, the debt water is rising. You need to know that because the sooner you recognize that and the sooner we look in the mirror and say, this is what is truly happening to us, the sooner we do that, the sooner we'll be able to start trying to find ways to cut this bondage off of us. Now, I'm telling you, what would make you so happy would be if you could somehow get free one day. If you could somehow cut all that duct tape off of you and the water's rising, but you could just spread your wings and fly above it because you no longer are anchored down and tied down with this thing called debt. 95% of American couples argue regularly about money. The number one cause of divorce in this country 
boils back down to arguments over money. The average American has over $38,000 in consumer debt. I'm not talking about mortgages or car. I'm talking about just un, um, no, no, no collateral, j just debt that is not uh, secured by anything, insecure debt. The average, um, or rather 62% of Americans, 62%, this was in 2010, will retire with less than $10,000 a year in, in annual income because of the way we've handled debt. The average American right now spends $1.22 for every dollar they make. That means we make a dollar and, and, and 22 cent. I mean, I'm sorry, we make a dollar and we spend 22 cent more. than We, we spend more than one-fifth more than what we made. And I'm telling you, I don't care what planet you come from, that's going to catch up to you sooner than later. You cannot keep on. And our country is the worst example in the world. We don't even balance our own budget. Listen, and I don't care who's president. I, I, it happens with all of them. I'm simply saying this, that we cannot give out more constantly than we take in and find ourselves ahead of the game. You can't do it. If you don't believe me, just go put $100 in your bank and just keep spending on that. And every now and then put 50 cent back in there. And see how long it takes to start getting them little slips that says, uh, you have insufficient funds to cover this transaction. You cannot keep doing that. Likewise, spiritually, you cannot keep living on blessings that you got 20 years ago without doing more deposits in your life by being in the house of God. And that was free. <laughs> so, now, let me, let me go on. The average student loan uh, debt after graduation is $22,000. The average household debt in the United States has reached a new level of 136% of their income. In other words, they spend 36% more than what they make. That's horrible. 700,000, watch this. Almost three quarters of a million people in America, supposed to be smart people, have accepted credit cards with 59.9% interest. Now, I don't know where that comes in with being smart, I mean, there's nothing smart about that. That's crazy. According to a, a survey released very close to the end of 2010, 55 plus percent of Americans, in fact, more than 60% now, have a, a very, very bad outlook when it comes to retirement. 50% of Americans have less than one month to live on, on money that they've got if they lost their job today. Um, People spend 12 to 18% when they pay with a credit card versus paying with cash. Um, did you know this? That you can save, and I know this is, some of y'all going to love this and the rest of y'all going to hate me for saying it, but did you know, if you're young right now, maybe you just got out of college, did you know you could save $112,000 over your lifetime if you got you some brown paper bags and took your lunch to work every day? $112,000. Now, I know that ain't the popular thing because everybody else is going down to Pizza Hut. Everybody else is headed to Ruby Tuesdays and to McDonald's and whatever. I ain't saying you've got to live like a hermit. I ain't saying you've got to do that. But maybe what if you just took your lunch two or three days a week? Oh, baby step. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And 66% um, um, of people surveyed this year don't expect to have enough money to retire. By 65. In fact, they say even my age group, you're looking at 67, 70. I talked to a financial guru about six months ago because I'm looking, you know, down the road. Of course, the harbor's going to be running a few thousand people by then. And um, 
all of that, and they might just keep me on even when I'm senile. And uh, I, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> Pastor Emeritus or something, but nonetheless, here's the deal. He said, hey, in your line of work, you know, um, if you can keep your heart right and your head right, you can pastor well into your 70s. Of course, that might be a challenge to keep my heart right and my head right. You know, but, but what I'm saying is this, is we're going to have to work longer. Uh, nowadays, I mean, retiring 62 is over with. I mean, them days, I mean, you might be in that group, but, but, but your children and grandchildren won't be. That's just how it is. The average person in their 20s now has $45,000 in debt outside of their homes. Can you imagine that? By the time they're 28 and 29, they have $78,000 in debt. Um, and um, it, it's just incredible. we got to do something. In other words, we're drowning in debt and nobody say anything about it. I want to tell you, did you know what the church could do? Do you know what I could do as individuals? You know how free it would be? How freeing it would be if you decided, man, boy, I'd sure love to take two weeks and go to Spain. I'd sure love to do that. Wouldn't it be nice to call up the cruise line and book the room and don't even worry about it? Just transfer the money right on over there. And if you had lived in a good way, if you had been wise over your assets, there's a time when you could do that, but we can't none do it if we're strapped down and the debt water's rising and rising. It's already up to our waist. You better not call the cruise line. You got water around you already. Amen. Listen, Proverbs 21, 20 says, In the house of the wise are the stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. How many of you know people get paid on Thursday night and by Friday at 2 o'clock they're busted? You said, didn't you just get paid? Well, I did, but you know what happened? I spent it on Monday. They started spending on, I, I mean, they, already, they might have even went down and got them a cash advance. On. Now listen, I'm not talking down to you. You're looking at somebody that drove a 1973 Chevrolet Vega across town in Valdosta, 10 miles from home, and sold it to a junk dealer for $40 and walked home to buy baby formula for Adam. So I know what I'm talking about. Hello? Thereby you see a desperate man, but you also see the love of dad. You see all that together. Amen. I'm just simply saying, I, I've been there, and I'm not completely out yet. Amen. So what I'm saying is I want you to get on board with me, and let's walk out of this thing together, that in the next two or three years, we can all be debt free. Now guess what? If you're debt free, accept your house. Oh my goodness. It ain't going to take long to pay it off, baby. You know why? You can take all that thousands of dollars you're throwing at MasterCard and Discover and Lowe's and Home Depot and Ross and everywhere else. You can take that and throw it on your mortgage and guess what? Cha-ching! 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 And next thing you know, you get that monkey out of the way. And you can really live. Now, I'm exciting you and it excites me, but I, I'm going to tell you, it is hard work. And it's going to get worse before it gets better because you're going to have to have conversations with your wife and that's going to it ain't going to be pretty. Because you're going to start talking about cutting back on some of them shoes and she's going to start talking about some of that golfing and skydiving and whatever. And, and so anyway, I'm just here to tell you. But 1 Timothy, let's get back to the Word. I'm starting to wonder too much. But the Word says in 1 Timothy chapter number 6, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can't take nothing out. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Wow. But the problem is this. Hold them scriptures for me for a second. In the Old Testament, I believe it was Solomon said, the eyes of man 
are never satisfied. Ladies, I want you to know that was a gender neutral statement. He's talking about mankind. That is men and women. They, our eyes are never satisfied. That's right. You know, if we fix one room up, we got to fix the other one up. If we buy a hat, we got to buy a dress to match. Hello? If we buy a golf club, you know we got to buy a driver or a bag to carry them. If we do this, we got to do that. And the eyes of man are never satisfied. We got a good car, but we got to keep up with the Joneses. Let me tell y'all something. The Joneses are broke. And they're up to their eyeballs in debt. And we have children right now that graduate high school and college and expect to live like mom and daddy who's been at this thing for 40 and 50 years. Hello? And won't listen to nobody. I, I, I've been that dumb teenager. I ain't calling your children dumb. I'll just use mine for example. Y'all with me? <laughs> but if we got food and clothing, let's be content with that. The next verse says in verse 9, those who want to get rich, hey, listen, all them get rich quick schemes, listen, I know there are bona fide jobs out there where you can market some things and do some good things, and, and, and that is good. It goes without saying. But there are some just quick, get rich quick schemes that will land you in prison. You don't believe it? Call Bernie Madoff. Anyway, his Ponzi scheme. Anyway, those who want to get rich, watch this, fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Hey, I want to tell you something. Uh, there are those who um, want to get rich, and they'll do anything for it, and they fall into destruction. But notice the next verse, number 10. I want you to get this, so read it with me. For, y'all sleep? Here we go. For the. Good. That's good. Uh, so let me read it again for you. For the love of money. Listen, there's nothing wrong with you having money. I hope you have plenty. I'm not, I'm not opposed to you having money. Someone said, well, the pastor just don't want us to be rich. I don't care how much money you got. There's nothing wrong with having money. As long as money don't have you. In fact, the Lord said, I want you to prosper. I want you to be in health even as your soul prospers. But so what we do is we major in money. And we say, I want more money and more money. And next thing we're greedy and greedy. And our soul starves, starves, starves. Because the more we work on this pile, the less we work on being spiritual and being in the house of God and all of that. So if you're not careful while seeking after money, let's see what happens. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves through with many griefs. In other words, while seeking after just another dollar, just another dollar, they commit suicide to their own selves spiritually. I don't care how much money you got. I, I, I'm okay if you're a millionaire. That's all right. You can take me out to eat anytime you want to or uh, help me with my old suburb. What are, you, you help me, man. I don't care. Nothing wrong with you having money. So don't ever think that, well, I know what Jesus says, harder for a rich man. To go to heaven, you know, than a camel through the eye of a needle. Now, the eye of a needle wasn't like a sewing needle in our life group back there. The eye of a needle there was a farm equipment that the cattle went through. Y'all with me? Say amen. So it is not impossible to go through the eye of a needle. He just says simply because the cares and people that are so in love with money, it's hard for them to stay right with the Lord because they've got money. Huh? And, and money's got them. Nothing wrong with having money as long as you... 
Listen, I know some wonderful, wonderful Christian people that have got money, and you know what? It's easy come, easy go. If they lose $50,000 because stock market went bad, so what? God giveth and God taketh away, and blessed be the name of the Lord. And they just don't freak out over it. And uh, I know you're probably saying, I don't know. I don't know. But let me move on. Let me say this. The reason we don't have more is because God can't trust us with more. Because if we're not faithful over $300 a week we get, we wouldn't be faithful if God gave us 1000 or 2000 or more. You see, before God gives you more income, you've got to get control of the outgo. You see, the things that you uh, consume are consuming you. Money promises what it can't do. It's like the, uh, the old devil in the Garden of Eden. He went to Eve and said, God, uh, God didn't really say you couldn't eat of a tree. He just knows that if you eat of a tree, you're going to be as smart as he is. He said, why don't you go ahead and take it because it's good fruit to make one wise. And so she took an ate. And all of a sudden she looked around and said, oh my God, I'm naked. And then Adam ate him. Man, I'm naked. And then they, they realized... Uh, now, you know, that was the original sin. And we, you know, we'll talk about that in Bible X if y'all want to come to it. Um, but, but anyway, I, I'm just saying this, that, that they found themselves in trouble because money, or, or rather, the devil promised something that, that did not work out. And, and money promises us security, and it cannot give it. Money promises prominence, and it cannot give us prominence. Money promises significance, and it cannot deliver significance. So money cannot buy us what it says that it can buy us. I could name people right now who are filthy rich and miserable, and many have died miserable. Look at the stars who have died overdosed on drugs. Look at the ones who have died uh, because of, and they had all the money you could dream of having. And you're thinking, man, what would I have done to have what this one had or what that one had? They had it all. And died unhappy or still seeking something else. Um, there are those that have been blessed more than they ever thought would be possible, yet they're still unsatisfied. They've been tricked into believing that money will make them happy and money will not. But see, we'll chase after it and chase after it and chase after it and lose all of our strength chasing after it. Listen, money makes you more of what you already are. Take your, like right now, if you're a generous person already, I mean, you don't make but $500 a week, but you're generous, I mean, you don't have no problem helping somebody or giving to this or that. Guess what? When you get money, you'll be incredibly generous. If you're a jerk right now and you get some money, you'll be an incredible jerk. Amen? If you're a smart aleck right now, guess what? When you got a million dollars, you'll really be a, an incredible smart aleck. Hello? It, money magnifies what you already are. So, anyway, do we really need all the things we buy anyway? I mean, do we really need a $5 cup of coffee every morning? $5. You know, y'all going to... Anyway, I'm going to say it. I was in Sunday's the other day, and I, maybe the owner of Sunday's is not here. I don't know, but looking at them drinks, man, I'm thinking $2.99 for a glass of tea. $3 for a glass of tea. So me and my wife, a few, a few months ago, we decided, man, $3 and $3, that's $6. And if we do this two or three times a week, and then, you know, there's 4.3 weeks in a month and 52 weeks in a year, and my God, we can make a house payment. So we decided to drink lemon water. Uh, it's free for now. And lemon water's good for you. 
And they tell me sugar's bad for me anyway. Well, I'm sweet enough. I don't need it. That's what that meter says when I take it anyway. So anyway, um, so he, I don't necessarily need a $5 cup of coffee or a $3 glass of tea. And I know you probably, well, I don't want people thinking I'm a tea. tea. I could give a flip less what people think. Amen. So if you come in there to Sunday's, I'm drinking lemon water. You might say, well, look at the pastor. He's still with tea. You ain't got to buy me a sweet tea. Just give me $3. And I... <laughs> Let me say this. If you owe $14,517 and you're paying $217.93 a month, it's going to take you 40 years to pay it off and it's going to be a total repayment of $104,606.40. You understand what I'm saying? Get out of debt. Join me and let's get out together. Listen, if you were to invest that same amount of money, $14,517 at 12% for 40 years, you'd have $1.3 million. If you were to invest that same amount and then add that $217.93 that you were paying on that debt at 12% over 40 years, you'd have $3.5 million. What I'm saying is we're spending the money anyway. Because you've got to pay that Ross payment. You've got to pay that skydiving payment. You've got to pay your car payment. You've got to pay this payment, that payment, the other payment. And let me ask something. Do I really need a brand new car? Now listen, uh, oh Lord, my eyes are closed. And I'm just sort of scanning like a radar and I don't care. So like, you got a new Jeep. No, I don't. That Jeep is an 08. And I do all the maintenance on it. I don't pay people to change my oil and all that stuff. Now I'm not knocking y'all. If you got it, knock it out. Don't bother, don't bother me. And I don't care if you drive a Rolls Royce. It don't matter to me as long as you got your finances in, in, in order. You could have a Lamborghini and you can park beside me if you would. And uh, I'll even ride with you if you let me. And I promise you I will not be jealous over what you got. I won't be. But let me ask you. You know, you buy a brand new car. Man, it, it blows my mind to go and look. And they don't have no shame in asking $50,000 for a new car. Now that's just a moderate new car. Now some of the ones y'all looking at, whoo, I, I just can't do it. And what I'm simply saying, do I really need, to, I know it smells good, man, I get me some, some smell good in a can and spray and <laughs> what I'm saying is this, and nowadays they want you to finance them for seven years. And they'll say things like, well honey, what kind of payment can you afford? We can get you in there about $179 a month and you say, oh yeah, that's just what I want. Okay, we're going to do it for 13 years. At 22.5% interest. Have you lost your mind? No. I mean, get you a bicycle or do something. I don't know. But, but you, you cannot continue. And listen, I've made dumb mistakes. Listen, I bought a brand new Ford Aerostar van a number of years ago. And the Lord taught me a lesson because I talked myself into believing it was God's will. And I've done all this. And I paid a fortune back. I think I give something like... $22,000 for it. It wasn't worth but about seventeen, dollars And then I had to eat about 2500 mine, so I had to tack that on there. I'm about $25,000 and paid back $30-something Stupid mistake on my part. But you know what I did? I talked myself into believing that was God's will for me. I justified, you know, a $100 a month raise. I was getting, I could just, stupid. I didn't have to do that. But I'm not you. You might be all right with that. I'm just simply saying, let's make some wise, wise choices. Let's cut the straps off of us because the water's rising. Let me, let, me, let me show you like this. What is it that God wants us to do? Here's the steps I want us to take. Simple. Three things I need you to do. 
Y'all ready? Number one, in order to get out of the debt spiral, <laughs> me and Adam took um, some flying lessons a number of years ago. And when, when you take off an airplane, if you keep pulling back on the yoke, pulling back, pulling back, pulling, 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 pretty soon you're going to have the angle of attack so steep when the nose is trying to climb that, that, that the motor just can't do it. And then there's not going to be enough wind going over the wings to create lift anymore and you're just going to start falling out of the sky and it's going to normally turn toward the right and start what they call the incipient spin and if you don't arrest it it's going to continue to spin you get into a flat spin it's the death spiral and pretty soon you know after a period of time you hit the ground and they call 911 and it's all over for you now in flight training you have to put it in a spin and recover from it it was kind of a scary deal. But anyway, uh, so we're up there. But, but the flight, the pilot would say, or, or, or the instructor pilot would say, listen, you need to do your inputs of correction on the incipient spin. In other words, as soon as you stall it and you realize it's starting to fall back and, and you're not climbing anymore, immediately push the nose over and, and do whatever else. I don't remember all the rest of the, the techniques to add to it, but immediately do something now while it's just starting to spin up because if you arrest it in the incipient spin, you can correct it. If you let it get out of control and now you're whipping around and around, it's thrown you over against the side. Next thing you know, you're blacked out and boom. What I'm saying is this. We're in a death spiral with debt. And we better get a handle on it because if we don't get a handle on it, it's pretty soon going to black us out. And there's no way out. It's just down, down, down. So here's the deal. Three steps I want you to join me in doing. Number one, is create a budget. Create a budget. Write that down. Create a budget. Here's a website for you, Dave Ramsey's Budgeting. Everything's free online. Just go there. You can print. But Listen, if you don't do the smartphone deal, there's free budget forms there. If you can't print them at home, we'll print them here for you. We've got some already at the Connection Center if you just want to pick up a written budget. Then we have another website I want to take you to. It's called uh, everydollar.com. Now, EveryDollar.com is an app that you download. It's kind of like those weight loss apps. Any of y'all ever done that? Uh, there's one of them called Lose It. Others, I don't know what it is, but if you're at Dairy Queen <laughs> trying to lose weight and you got a small ice cream that's dipped in chocolate, you put it in there. Dairy Queen, it'll show you their menu, and then you click on that one, and it'll tell you how many calories that you just now took off of your allotment for the day. So you eat that ice cream, and then you can have like a piece of lettuce left tonight <laughs> or something like that. So... But that's how it is. And so everydollar.com is an app that you'll download, and you don't have to be near your computer. It's right here on your phone. If I decide to give Brother West $20 to help him for whatever reason, I just $20, bam, I've got track of that. I go back there, and a little kid hooks me up because they're selling candy for the middle school pastor. Would you buy a candy bar from me? How much is it? $2. $2, everything, you know, and then I get down to Walmart and I spend $150, there it is, and I'm leaving and someone's homeless and they want a hamburger and I say, well, here's $5, and I put that $5, whatever it is, anywhere you are, put it in there and that's going to show you what you're really spending. You do that for seven days, you're going to find out Burger King costs more than you think it did. You're going to find out that Sonny's cost more than you think it did. You're going to find out that Walmart uh, is keeping a whole lot of your money, honey, when you go in there because you cannot leave spending less than $50. If you got children, you might as well double that. So uh, anyway, 
That's how it is. But every dollar.com is going to give you a real idea. So you need to build a budget. And that budget needs to include everything you do. I'm not talking about, see, because here, here's what a fake budget looks like. That's when you write down mortgage payment, uh, you know, uh, my car, my gas, my tithe. Or tithe ought to come on up there toward the front of that. But anyway, my lunches, my groceries, my water bill, light bill, phone bill, etc. And, and, and then you say, well, I got all this money. Man, there's $340 left. No, no. Do everydollar.com and see how much is left. Because that don't count the nail shop. Hello? That don't count the tool you bought in advance. That don't count the air filter you had to buy for the motorcycle. That don't count the new golf bag. That you see, but everydollar.com is going to name every dollar. And I know that stinks and y'all are going to be mad at each other and then you're going to call and you're going to want to talk to Pastor Josh and Pastor Ken and Pastor Aaron and get all this worked out because Pastor Sane is not available for that counseling anymore. <laughs> I'm going to be studying for Sunday's message. No, I believe, believe me, I do my fair share. I'm just simply saying, you've got to create a budget. Now, so I think I've, I've hammered that heavy enough. You've got to create a real budget. And secondly, you've got to do this. You've got to put $1,000 in an emergency fund. Now, I know that's hard to do. Even Kelly and I, we, we decided to put $2,000 in an emergency fund, but we had to wait until Pastor Appreciation Day to do it. <laughs> Are y'all with me? But, uh, but we decided to do it. And, and um, so we've been probably working in about six months, the debt snowball. I'm going to show you that in just a moment. But you've got to get $1,000. Now, don't go steal it. And don't borrow it from somebody because you've got to pay that back. So find $1,000. That means go home and go through the attic and go through the garage. Find everything you can find and have a yard sale. Put it on eBay. Uh, I mean, uh, do whatever it is to sell something, do something to get you to $1,000. If you can't get $1,000 right now, get to $500. But get yourself to $1,000 as an emergency fund. So there you are, an emergency fund. You've got that. Next thing you do is debt snowball. Debt snowball is, is beautiful. It's where you're going to take uh, your lowest debt and you're going to pay it off. And let's say it costs you $50. Then you're going to take that $50 and your next debt, maybe it costs you $100. You're going to add that $50 to that $100. So now you're paying $150. And then when you pay that off, you're going to take that $150. Matter of fact, here's a short video, three minutes. Watch this. It'll show you how to do the snowball.
Amen. How many of you think you can do it? Listen, do you see what he did? He paid everything off in 21 months and then decided to keep throwing that $1,100 in an investment over those 99 months and had $153,000. You know, you know, and if you're only 25 or 30 years old, you're a young guy and got a pile of money stuffed in the bank. Not to mention what you're doing in retirement and all that. So enough about that. Create a budget. Number one, you've got to create that budget. Number two, you've got to save that emergency $1,000. That fund has got to be there so that you don't have to run back to the credit card because your alternator went out on your car. Amen? You've got to go use that emergency fund with a plan that it goes back, right, at the earliest convenience. And then uh, the next thing you got to do is the, the net snowball. And you've got to start that debt snowball. And I believe you need to do uh, in order. You've got to create that budget, and you've got to jump um, into that $1,000 savings account. Some of you already got that set aside somewhere. Good. Jump right on into the debt snowball and start at this payday. Amen? Find something. They gave an example about finding an additional $200. A couple times out to eat or a few times out to eat or taking family or friends or maybe it's a yard sale or whatever. But find that other $200 and start that snowball. Let me tell you something. Here's what's going to happen. I remember when Kelly told me, okay, we paid the first one off. We paid the second one off. We're on... We're moving now, I think we're paying about $650 or $700 a month. Woo, Home Depot happy, baby. Them house rentals are catching up, but guess what? We're knocking them down now. They ain't going to be that many more months. We're going to knock it out. And in the next two, and two, two and a half years, I intend not to owe a dime to anybody other than my house. Some of you, I had, I had an opportunity to talk to somebody the other day that said, man, I don't know a thing in this world except my house. I said, man, God has blessed you. You have been smart. And, and hey, I want to look up to people like that. Some of, We got some people that are wise that have done those things. And, and we need to model after you. We don't need to squander everything we have. I'm trying to tell you something that will help you. It's going to take the hard work of having a family meeting where you sit down with, with the wife or the husband and you got to talk about it. One of the things Kelly and I do that is so therapeutic, and everybody thinks I'm walking just to keep my nice figure. No. Walking for me is very therapeutic because we get to sort of unpack everything that went on during the day. Sometimes we walk two miles, and sometimes we walk four, depending on how much happened in the day, how much we got to unpack. <laughs> Are y'all with me? Say amen. But nonetheless, you got to have those conversations, and you got to come to some kind of agreement. Now, I know Dave Ramsey is hardcore. I mean hardcore. He's going to say, don't even take a vacation. He says, do a staycation until you get out of debt. Well, in pastoring, I, I felt like I was going to go crazy if I'd done that. So me and Kelly did a nine-day cruise. Now, could I have used that $2,000 to have got rid of it? Yes, I could have. That only proves to you that I'm human. <laughs> I'm still on the plan to snowball the debt. I just done a little deviation from Dave's plan. But I'm going to tell you something. Dave is a smart man. Those budget forms, that everydollar.com app, it'll, it'll help you and it will, listen, because you will not address that until you look everything in the mirror and say, man, my God, this is exactly what we make and this is exactly what we're spending. And you'll find out, you might be spending 22 cents for every, 22 cents more for every dollar. $1.22 for every dollar you make. And I'm just here to tell you, you can't do that too long. It's going to catch up to you. It'll, it'll catch up to you. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I want us to pray. 
I went a little over in the second service, but I have found out I can do that in the second service because I ain't got nobody else coming yet. But anyway, I want to pray and I want to ask God to help you create a budget. And you know when the best time to do it is? Today. Tomorrow you won't feel near the urgency to do it. You won't. The best time to talk about how we're going to get that $1,000 in the account for emergencies is to talk about it today. And the best time to think about how you're going to snowball and do a target range, how long it's going to take you to do it. You'll get excited once you go through that. I remember when Kelly ran the numbers and said, look, we can do this in these months if we'll do it. You'll get excited about it. And I'm going to tell you what will happen is after you've done your first one, you paid that one off and done plastic surgery on that car. Clip. And then you've done another one, you've done plastic surgery. Matter of fact, you might need to do plastic surgery up front. You can do that right now without no money. I mean, my son one time, he went home and put a big old bowl of water in it and put his credit card at the bottom of it frozen so he had to think about it for a little while if he was going to use it. I'm not kidding. So I want to pray for you to do your budget. I want to pray for you to get your emergency fund, and I want to pray that you'll get on a debt snowball starting this payday as soon as possible. As soon as you get your $1,000, and we'll believe God to touch you right now. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this congregation. They are the church. Lord, you do not desire your church to be strapped. You said in your word, oh, no man, nothing except to love them. I'm asking you, Lord, right now to give them the boldness and courage to create a budget. I want to see them be able to live like no other. I'm asking you the boldness and the courage to create an emergency fund and find the funds to do it. I'm asking you, Lord, to give them the boldness and the courage to grab a handful of snow and start rolling it up and rolling it around and then start doing a snowball and unleash that snowball down this hill of debt. And I'm believing you, God, for them to knock out every debt they owe. And in the next two years, they won't owe anything except their house. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Look at me for just a moment before, before I share some closing announcements. What could we, as God's people, do? Now, this is not, this is not selfish for me because God has blessed the church. But what could we, as God's people, do if we were debt-free? Or if we didn't know anything except our mortgage? Just think about this. What, what could you do? If God were to say, Pastor, it's time to clear the other 20 acres to do phase two. If you had a church full of debt-free people, you could do it debt-free. And you know what? Wouldn't hurt you a bit. You know why? You would be living like a king or a queen because you wouldn't be paying Home Depot and Lowe's and Ross and Target and Sears and Kmart every stinking month. You would be able to say, you know what? If I want to give this $1,000 to the missionary down in Guatemala, praise God, be blessed, brother. If I want to help this orphanage, be blessed, children. If I want to go down to a home and, and buy everybody in the senior living center something for Christmas, you could do it. Because you've disciplined yourself. You could live free. And I'm telling you, you can live with those kinds of margins. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at harborwc.com.